Welcome to an inspirational teaching by Pastor Victor DeMonte, the senior pastor of Adonai Church, Bangalore. We hope you enjoy this teaching. I'm going to continue my teaching on the different functions of the human spirit. Last week we saw that our human spirit has the ability to be born again. Our human spirit has the ability to communicate with God. Our inward man or our human spirit also has the ability to see and to hear what the Holy Spirit is communicating to us. We see in Genesis chapter 3 verse 8 that Adam and Eve heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. So when God created man, he created man with the, uh, uh, with the ability to hear God. That's, how, that's why Jesus, when he came, he came to bring recovery of sight to the blind. Why? Because we lost our spiritual sight. We lost our ability to hear God. And Jesus came to restore our spirit so that we can see what God wants us to see and hear what God wants us to hear. And so God has programmed us right from day one with a God-given ability to hear His voice and to fellowship with Him. So if we are in a mess today, it is not because God has stopped speaking, but it is because we have stopped listening to what God is saying. In Genesis chapter 4, God kept speaking to Cain, but Cain refused to listen to God. And so he went out and did exactly what God warned him not to do. <clears throat> that history has repeated itself to this day. And today, we have stopped listening to God. We have stopped responding to what God is saying. And so I specifically feel that God is saying this in Hebrews chapter 3 verse 15. That if anyone is here and you're hearing his voice... Do not harden your hearts as in the day of rebellion. And so you've heard God's prompting in your spirit. Don't harden your heart. Don't allow things to rob you of your obedience of following the Lord. When Jesus came into this world, he came to establish a two-way communication between God and man. And so Jesus said in John chapter 10 verse 14 to 16, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I am known by my own. That's what Jesus is saying. I am the good shepherd, I know my sheep, and my sheep knows me. Verse 16, and other sheep I have, which, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice. So he's not talking only about the disciples. He's talking about other people who come into a relationship with Jesus will also have the ability to hear his voice. And there will be one flock and one shepherd. Those who follow Jesus are not ones who just talk to him, but those who listen to him. In John chapter 10 verse 27, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. How many sheep are here this morning? Put your hands up. You're a sheep. If you're a sheep, the most obvious thing is that you hear his voice. When sheep don't hear the voice of the shepherd, they fall prey to other wild animals. And so Jesus is saying something so down to earth. 
He is our shepherd. We are his sheep. And therefore, as sheep, we hear his voice. And then it goes on to say, I know them and they follow me. So sheep have two things to do. Hear his voice and follow. Can you say that after me? Hear his voice and follow. They don't hear his voice and stop there, but they follow the, in, in the instructions of what the shepherd is saying. Now, Christianity revolves about hearing the voice of God and following Jesus. That's what a Christian is. So we look at Luke chapter 8, a very familiar passage of scripture, where Jesus talks about the sower and the seed. When we read this passage, we look at four categories of hearers that Jesus talks about. Four kinds of hearers. I'll read from verse 4. And when a great multitude had gathered, they had come to him from every city. He spoke by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down. That's the first kind of hearer. One who received the word on the wayside. It's just part of a routine. The seed happened to fall on the wayside. And the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on a rock. That's the second type of hearer. And as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. Not nurtured. The seed fell, but not nurtured. Verse 7, and some fell among thorns, the third category of hearers. Seed falling on thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground. The fourth kind category. The seed fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now Jesus knew that they all had physical ears. But what Jesus is saying, He who has spiritual ears, hear what he he is saying. How many of you have spiritual ears? Where is your spiritual ears? Good, we've learned. Where is our spiritual ears? It's right there in our, in our spirit. So the seed has the potential to grow. That's the, that's the quality of a seed. And if you deprive a farmer of the seed, you deprive him of the crop. Because the potential of a seed rings forth a rich harvest. And so Jesus is talking about seed falling on good ground which produce a harvest and bears fruit. So now he speaks to the crowd. You got the scenario? He's speaking to a large crowd of people, people who come from long distances. And and this is how Jesus is addressing them, by a parable. And then he stops. He stops speaking to the crowd. And then the disciples have a question with him. Lord, what does this parable mean? And he said, To you it has been given to know the mysteries of God, but to the rest of this crowd that is, that is here, 
It is in parables, seeing that they may not see, hearing that they may not understand. Now only Jesus can do this. And I'm thinking, if Jesus is talking to the crowd and confusing them, why talk to them in the first place? He's not even explaining the parable to the crowd. He's left them hanging. Take whatever you want out of it. Sow and the seed. Four kinds of ground. Seed falls on it and it produces crop. If it's a good seed. What are you left with that understanding is up to you. And then Jesus turns to his disciples and he's explaining the mystery. Rather strange. And the whole crowd is this. What was that? But the good news is, God has chosen us as his disciples. And God has revealed the mysteries of the kingdom to you and to me. And today we are sitting here, not having ears that we cannot hear. We have spiritual ears that we could hear and understand the mysteries of God. Somebody shout an amen. And so we're going to see how we need to hear what the sower has to sow this morning. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Simple explanation, seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are ones who hear, and then suddenly the devil gets very active. The most vulnerable place is when we receive the word, the devil says, okay, let me distract them. Either a neighbor will distract you, your house worries will distract you, some SMS will come and distract you. Why? Because the enemy wants to rob the seed. He knows the potential of the seed. And so it says here, they, those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes, takes away the word out of their hearts. Where's the word taken out of? Heart, your spirit. So God expects us not to listen to the word of God with our mind only. He wants us to listen with our heart. What is God saying to you this morning? What is God saying to you when you read, his, read the word? Don't have an intellectual approach to the word. Have a spiritual approach where you're hearing the voice of God speaking to your spirit. God wants to communicate to your spirit this morning and he's talking about those who hear the word and receive it in their heart not in their heads lest they should believe and be saved if the word is received in your heart it will lead you to salvation but if the word is received in your head it will lead you to doubt confusion and questioning and God wants his word to penetrate into our, our heart our spirit that's where your heart is, your spirit, your human spirit. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. What do you do when you hear the word? Can you say it after me? Receive the word. What do you do? You receive the word with joy. And those have no root who believe for a while and in a time of temptation fall away. So this is the rocky kind of hearers, the second kind of hearers. After a message, they're very excited. Very excited. You can listen to messages after messages. It excites you. 
But when temptation comes, it doesn't sustain you. You fall into temptation. Why? Because you receive the word and the condition of your heart is, is not able to, to hold on to it. It's rocky ground. It lacks moisture. It lacks meditation. It lacks, you know, the Spirit of God bringing revelation in your heart. And as a result, it, it falls away. You fall away. You give in to the temptation. The third kind of hearer are the ones that fell among thorns are those when they have heard go out and are choked with cares. Now you hear the word of God. You know what the word of God says. But then the cares of life, your worries, you worry of your family, you worry of your relationship, worry about money, worry about your future. The cares of life damages the seed that's sown in your heart. Who is the sower? Jesus, the Holy Spirit is the sower. He's sowing those seeds in your heart and the enemy wants to rob those seeds. He not only causes cares, but the riches of the world. We have two kinds of problems. One, when we don't have money, we worry. And when those who have money, we worry. What to do with the money? The second category, come to me, I'll help you with that one. And so we're so concerned, what to do? We have this money, where to go, what to invest, what, what, how we handle it, how we avoid tax, worry. Then it says the pleasures of life, the entertainment of life, the pull that the world has to go in that, that direction and bring forth no fruit to maturity. Nothing is bearing fruit. Why? Because the cares, the pleasures, the riches, all choke the word and doesn't allow it to bring forth full maturity. You see, the devil is after the seed. That's what he wants. He wants to rob you of the harvest. He wants to deprive you of what God wants to do in your life. The mysteries of the kingdom is revealed in the seed sown in your heart. Verse 15. But the ones that fell on the good ground, the fourth category are those having heard the word with a noble and a good what? Heart, a good spirit. Noble, another word for noble is sincere. A good, it's positive. It's not doubting. It's not arguing. It's receiving with a good and a sincere heart. Your spirit is receiving the word of God. And keep it will bear fruit with patience. So what is the good soil? Those who hear the word in their heart and keep it. So tell someone next to you, receive the word in your heart and keep it. Tell someone next to you. That's good soil. That's good soil. When you receive it in your spirit, meditate over it. Allow what God is saying. Now there is something important here. I'm not talking about the whole message. I'm talking about what is that specific thing God is speaking to you. That's the voice of God. What is pricking on the inside? What is challenging you this morning? That's the voice of God in your spirit. Hold on to that. And when you retain it and receive it, nurture that seed on the inside. It will go to produce fruit with patience. And then Jesus concludes 
with this master statement. Therefore, take heed, not how you pray, but how you hear. Fruitfulness does not come by only praying. Fruitfulness comes by the way we hear. And in all of these categories, it's not talking about praying, it's talking about hearing. And Jesus is concluding saying, take heed, be careful how you hear. You know, there's a difference between listening and hearing. Men listen, especially when their wives are talking, but they're not hearing. Five minutes after that, the wife says, I never heard you. You only listen. You know the difference. If you don't know, ask your husband. Not all husbands. Husbands in this church are very good. We listen to our wives. How well behaved we are. We hear. Is, hearing is different from listening. And God is saying, those who hear the word, receive it where? Where do you receive the word? Say it again. Where do you receive your, the word? In the inner man, your heart, your spirit, that's where you receive the word. It will bring forth fruit. And he's saying, take heed how you hear. The way we hear is not only receiving the word, but keeping the word, meditating the word, holding on to the word. That's how you keep the word in your spirit. For whoever has, to him will be given more. You receive the word, you act on it, God will give you more. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. So what we do with the word will, will grow us. How we, how we mature. I'm going to make a statement here that I want you to keep in mind. Fruitfulness does not come by only praying. Fruitfulness comes by hearing. You like to say that after me? Fruitfulness does not come by only praying. But it comes by hearing. Now here's a statement I'm going to make. I hope you understand it. I'm sure you'll understand it. When we pray, it relieves us. Hear what I'm saying? When we pray, it relieves us. We feel relieved of the burden. We feel relieved of the pain. We feel relieved of the anxiety when we pray. But when we hear God, it releases us from the pain. It releases us from the burden. It releases us from the pressures of life. You see the difference? Okay. So you say this after me. When I pray, I receive relief. But when I hear God, I experience a release. Your breakthrough comes by what you hear, not by how you pray. Look at the story of Moses. Stood in front of the Red Sea. Enemy chasing after him, crying out to God. And then God says, why are you crying? Go ahead, lift the staff, your staff over the sea. And as he obeyed, he heard and he obeyed. The sea parted. Hearing and following. That's what Christianity is. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd who hear my voice, the sheep hear my voice and follow. So you don't stop with just hearing but following. 
prayer should be the means by which we hear God. Prayer shouldn't be an end in itself. It's only the means to hear God. So if you need to hear God, you need to pray. You need to spend time. You need to wait on God. But your breakthrough will come not by stopping at praying, but waiting on what God is saying to you. That's why the Bible says, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning spiritual gifts. Because the gifts of the Holy Spirit revolve on hearing God and following and implementing what God is saying. That's the challenging part with the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are not meant to be a side dish. The gifts of the Spirit is the main course that brings life, that brings healing, that brings freedom. It releases God in our meetings. Why? Because people are hearing God and speaking. It's the voice of God. It's the ways of God that's being released to do what God wants to do. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, this is what the Apostle Paul saying to the church. Now concerning spiritual gifts, my brethren, I do not want you to, to be, I don't want you to be ignorant. Don't be ignorant of spiritual gifts. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. You know, here's the problem. The problem is when we were in the world of religion, we followed religion, we are so used to following religion where God doesn't speak. He's dumb. Hello? Are you with me? Yes? You with me? So any religion that we have followed, whichever religion you followed, God was silent. Dumb. Can't speak. So when we come to Christianity, we come to Christ, we make Him dumb. We don't expect Him to speak. Because all our life we used to religion with a God does not speak. So now we come to Christianity and we still don't expect God to speak. But Christianity is different from religion. Christianity sets us apart from all other religion because we have a God who speaks, who acts and intervene, intervenes in our life. Somebody shout an Amen. And we must get used to the idea that we have a God that speaks continuously. That's why the Apostle Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant of spiritual gifts. You were at one time carried away with dumb idols. Now he's not being ruled by saying dumb idols. He's saying you followed religion blindly. You followed religion without any, without any expectation of God speaking or doing anything. But now here is a God that wants to speak. And you must know what spiritual gifts are. Because it's about God speaking. It's about a God acting. It's about God doing something. Um, last Sunday I had this word of sciatica. And uh, Anita put her hand up. And after the meeting she shared that as she responded to that word she felt heat on her back. And God healed her. That whole week she was struggling with the pain of sciatica. And God healed her. Why? God releases his word that brings forth a miracle. God releases his blessing. And so the seed that God is sowing should ignite faith when received. It brings forth God's results. And there's times like that. I remember in Sri Lanka, before I could start my message, I, I said, there is a person who's lost their sense of smelling. God wants to heal you. Ah, they didn't know who I am. I didn't wait for them to introduce me. If God said something, I told the pastor, just excuse me. I got something to say to the congregation. 
called out that lady, prayed for her, and God restored her smelling. You see, hearing God and speaking, following, is what Christianity is all about. And that's what sets Christianity apart from all other religions. Now, if you and I want to experience the supernatural, we will experience the supernatural to the extent we're willing to hear God. True? No one in the Bible, as far as I know, moved in the realm of the Spirit by just only praying and not doing anything after that. They prayed, they heard. They prayed, they heard. And as they followed the instructions, God intervened. Let's look at an example in Joshua chapter 6, verse 1 to 20. Familiar passage of scripture. But come with me as we look at some of these details. Talking about the walls of Jericho that came down. Now Jericho was, was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, God speaks. God speaks. Front of an impossible situation, God is speaking to Joshua. I like the language that God uses. God always talks in the past tense. He's done it. Completed. We always talk to God, Lord, will you please do something? Look at how God responds to him. Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hands. It's king and the mighty men of valor. Where is Joshua? Standing in front of the wall. What is God saying? See, I have given. How many of you like God's language? He saw Abraham, old guy, and tells Abraham, I'm changing your name, Abraham to Abraham, because you are the father of many nations. Abraham, who's blind here? Are you looking at me or who are you looking at? We can all understand that the language of the Spirit. But we need to. And so God told him, see, how did Joshua see? Not with his natural eyes. If he saw in his natural eyes the walls were standing, the enemy was large before him. But God is saying, see, what do you see this morning? Do you see walls or have you seen them crumple? What do you see this morning? See, I have given Jericho into your hand. It's king and the mighty men of valor. Now look at this. He first sees and then God gives him an instruction. Look at the instruction. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. Men of war, what are they doing? Marching around the city. You shall go around the city once. This you shall do for six days. Why six days? Why six days? I don't know. Here's the principle. When God says something, you don't talk back to God. Why six days? Say this after me. I, you don't talk back to God. Why six days? Say it again. Why six days? We must get used to that. We love to talk God. Don't wait for five days. 
No, sixth day, I, I have to report for duty. My boss is taking attendance. Five days. Five days I'll do. Six days means... Why six days? You don't talk back to God. We are the only clay that talks. We are the talking clay. God says, I am the potter, you are the clay. And we are one different kind of clay that God says, hey, this clay talks. And they question the potter, why, what, how? And somehow we don't get the message that we are only clay in the potter's hands. Let's read on. And seven priests, priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horn before the ark. Why ram's horn? Everyone say, why ram's horn? If he said flute, flute. If he says ram's horn, it is? Why? Everyone say, you don't talk back to God. And now you're not convinced about it. You don't talk back to God. I know you'll have to do some repenting after this. Because we've been chatterboxes. We've argued, we've challenged God. God, why? Why? You're holy, you're all-powerful, why can't you do it? I don't know where we got our theology from. And then it goes on to say, But the seventh day, you shall march around the city. How many times? So from six days, now it's gone to seven days. Seven times. Why seven times? Good, you're getting it. And the priest shall blow the trumpets. Only that time blow the trumpets. And it shall come to pass. It passes. What you do, when God says you, you pass. It shall come to pass. When they make a long blast with the ram's horn. And when you hear the sound of the trumpet. That all the people shall shout with a great shout. And then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up every man straight before him. Why shout? Only the front row is saying, I want the balcony and people up there. Why shout? You know, we're not used to this. Lift your hands. Lord, lift your hands up all. Crucify me, Lord. Somehow it's difficult to go up there. But here it's okay. There it's okay. And then we look around. Who is saying what? Shout. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank God we were not in Joshua's army. Why shout? You don't talk back to God. He says shout, you shout. You see, the biggest enemy is not the devil, it's your mind. If you can deal with our mind, we will walk in the supernatural. Verse 6. Then Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said to him, Take up the ark of the covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horn before the ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Proceed and march around the city and let him who is armed advance before the ark of the Lord. But it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early 
about the dawning of the day and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. On that day only, when they marched around the city seven times, and the seventh time it happened, and when the priests blew, their, blew the trumpets, that Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Not will be, He has given the city. You receive the word in your spirit before it becomes a reality. Are you listening to what I'm saying? If you don't know what it is to receive the word in your spirit and retain it, you will never experience it. Joshua had to see through his spiritual eyes. And he saw the city fall before it actually fell. God is saying something to us this morning. You have walls before you. You've got to see it before it happens. I'm not talking about imagination. We can all imagine some great things. What is God asking you to see? And so the people shouted with the priest when the priest blew the trumpets. And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet. And the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. Then the people went into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. So here's my questions. You mean to say God could not have done this without them shouting, without them blowing trumpets? Could he have done it? Yes. He just likes some drama. He could have brought, he could have brought those walls down. In the end, it is never scientifically proved that shouting in front of a wall, it will bring them down. If it did, wow, we can get into business. Demolishing buildings, gather, give, shout, and then collect money for it. It doesn't happen in the natural. <laughs> you want to try, you can. Doesn't happen. Here's the principle. Whenever God wants to do a miracle, He gets us involved in the process. Because we are called fellow workers. You know what fellow workers? You have a fellow working with you. That's a fellow worker. So God says, we are fellow workers with Him. And whenever God wants to intervene in your life and circumstances, He will do it by you hearing His voice and you following His instruction and then you walk into the miracle that God has for you. And the Bible is filled with a number of stories of how this miracles happen. That's the key to living in the supernatural. Hear God's voice, follow, and it opens up the door for God to supernaturally act. We got to get used to doing it God's way. God never likes to work apart from us. He always works along with us. You like that? You like to say that after me? God never works apart from us. But he always works along with us. To destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, 
he worked along with Abraham. To build the ark, he worked along with Noah. To bring the people of, uh, out of bondage, he worked with Moses. In order to bring healing to the people, he works along with his church. In order to bring freedom, he works along with his people. He works along with you and me. So this idea of religion must break. Where we think everything God must do, we will only stand and watch. And when you hear God, what does it do? Releases you from it. Let's look at Mary and Martha, New Testament. We all know the story, Lazarus dies. Jesus turns up at the funeral. He's weeping. Shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. He weeps. Now, he knows Lazarus is going to be resurrected, but he's still weeping. Identifies with Mary and Martha. And the Jews say, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? How we so easily like to question God. If God really loves us, couldn't he have kept me from this accident? If God really loves me, he did it for them, he could do it for We question God. But Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus says, take the stone away. What does he tell Mary and Martha? Who wants a miracle? Mary and Martha wants a miracle. So who gets the instruction? Mary and Martha. Jesus could have said, poor ladies, ladies these are. You know, those days, tombstones are not pebbles. Huge tombstones. Two ladies, they're grieving, they're crying. And you're telling them, move this thing. Jesus, please, get you off. These hulks, you're fishermen. See what they're standing there. They're standing there doing nothing. Get them to remove the stone. But who needs the miracle? So who has to remove the stone? Ah, now you're getting it. You know, the only thing we like to delegate is our obedience to God. We like to delegate our obedience. Uh, you pray, no, not me. Who needs the miracle? I need the miracle, but you pray. I need the miracle, but uh, you give. You give, you give. Sorry, you can't outsource your obedience. You need the miracle, the instruction comes to you. And when the instruction comes to you, what do you need to do? Follow. What do you need to do? Follow. Receive it and follow. Yet when Jesus rose from the dead, God sent two angels to roll away the stone. Why? Because Jesus needed the miracle. Now, Mary and Martha had to roll it. They needed the miracle. Today, a lot of people in the church are standing before the tomb. Jesus, 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 raise up Lazarus. I bind the devil in the name of Jesus. Come all together with shout, shout. One, two, three. Lazarus, come forth. And they look around, nothing happens. Stone is there. Who's moved? Only you are moved. Nothing else is moved. No, 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 no. You know, no, this, this kind goes by fasting and praying. How many years you're fasting and praying? The only thing you've gained is the loss of weight. 
Apart from that, nothing else has happened. Now you see why people don't see answers to their prayer. Because a lot of people are praying without hearing God. Prayer only relieves you. Hearing God releases you. Martha, Mary and Martha could have stood there and had prayer meetings all they wanted and Lazarus would have still been locked up in the tomb. And that's why Jesus stepped in and said, and look at what her, look at her reasoning. Master, 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 mother, mother, mother. Removing the stone. Hey, stinking, stinking. That's what she says. Four days he's buried. Stench will come. Stench or no stench? What do you do? Obey. Why did Jesus tell her to remove the stone? You never question God. Why do you, why did Mary and Martha, why did Jesus tell Mary and Martha to remove the stone? Say it loudly. What are you? Sheep. Sheep, follow. Not goats. You know how you know between a sheep and a goat? Sheep butt. And you have a lot of, Christians. but wait. Why, but why, 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 why? Why am I supposed to move the stone? Why, why, but. Whenever you see a Christian saying, but why, but how, you know, say, hey, this is a goat here. <laughs> don't dig your neighbor. Sheep don't talk, but they follow. Meh, and they follow. That's supposed to be yes. <laughs> See, Jesus asks us to do simple things. Remove the stone. That's it. He didn't ask us to raise Lazarus from the dead. He knows he can't, you can't do it. Unless you want to try. He tells you, follow my instruction. Remove the stone. And we all know when she removed the stone, Jesus says, then you will see the glory of God. Our belief must lead to action. Our belief, our instruction that God gives us, will position us for us to experience a miracle. Here's it. You always receive the miracle in our spirit before we can experience it. Joshua sought in his spirit before he experienced it. Mary and Martha had to receive it in her spirit. And when she received the, the instruction, she saw it in the physical. The world says seeing is believing. But they do not know Believing is actually seeing. You like to say that? Believing is seeing. So when you believe what God is saying, you're actually seeing what God is saying. Let's see how the sick were healed in Jesus' time. Here's a man who was lying there. In John chapter 5, verse 6 to 9. He'd already been in a condition invalid for a, very, for a long time. And Jesus said to him, do you want to be made whole? Look at the obvious question Jesus said. Do you want to be made whole? You know, sometimes we are in a condition that we don't want to get up from that condition. We're so used to lying in that same place, we don't want change. We're not expecting a miracle. So Jesus said to him, do you really want to be well? You've been here for a long time. Do you want to be well? The sick man answered him, and he gives an excuse. Sir... I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. 
Jesus said to him, he doesn't answer his excuses. He doesn't. He only gives instructions. Jesus answered him and said, Rise, take up your mat and walk. What? Do you know how long I've been lying here? For a very long time. I'm telling you the frustrations I'm going through. No one wants to allow me to go. And as I'm trying to, they jump in and they get healed. And Jesus never answered that. Just rise up, get up and walk. And immediately the man, when he was made well, took up his bed and walked. His miracle didn't come by what he said. His miracle came by what he heard. Your healing will come by what you hear. Last week, we had a couple come, come down. We had lunch with, her, with both husband and wife during the week. And I had known that she had really gone through a lot of pain uh, physically in her body, arthritis and all sorts of complications in her bones and severe pain. So I asked her, how, how are you doing? You went through a season where you, you had so much of suffering. She says, in that season, I just knew God was with me. That gave me the grace to sustain whatever I was going through. And then suddenly, one day when I was praying, she said, I felt the Lord saying, it's over and you'll recover. That's all. She says, no medication, no physiotherapy, nothing. From that day on, I started to recover and I'm completely healed. Isn't that amazing? Many of us have lost it on our miracle, not because we didn't pray, but because we didn't hear God. Am I making this clear to you this morning? We don't hear God. What about supernatural provision? You're trusting God for finances? Supernatural provision? Look at another in, uh, illustration. John chapter 6, verse 1 to 15. We know this familiar story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. A great multitude followed Jesus because they saw the miracles that Jesus performed and those who were sick were healed, and so they all go up to the mountain and sit with his disciples. Verse 5. Then Jesus lifts up his eyes, seeing a great multitude coming towards him. He said to Philip, Listening now what, what, what Jesus tells Philip. Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? He's asking Philip for an answer. Where does Philip look for an answer in his mind? Not in his spirit, in his mind. But this he said to test him, for he already knew, Jesus already knew what to do. You know, when we go through tests, tests are meant to strengthen us, not to fail us. That's why we have tests and exams. I know we don't like it. But they're just tests are meant to strengthen us. And so God allows us to go through tests in life to strengthen us, not to weaken us. And so here was a test that Jesus was putting in front of Philip. Here's a situation, multitude in front of you, where we will get bread to feed them. And he said this only to test him. Verse 7, Philip answers, 200 denarii. He's calculated by that time. 200 denarii. How many Philips are here? Don't put your hand up. 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. He says, in spite of 200 denarii, not everyone will get sufficient. They will probably get a little bit. 
This is what happens to us when we're looking for answers in our mind. This is what happens. We worry, we get anxious, we burn our mind. You know one of the things you need to do to, in order to live in the supernatural? Park your mind. What did I say? Park your mind. Give it a break. Not hand break, leg break. Full. Full break for your mind. Because our mind interferes with the wisdom of God and the instruction of God. Park your mind. Allow God to speak. Listen to your spirit. Then one of the other disciples gets smart. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, Here is a lad who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Another one wise person. He did his research in the meantime. In the crowd he managed to catch a boy. Five loaves, two small. Brings him. But he's, he says, Jesus, here's this boy. He has his what, what, what will this five loaves do? How, how will this feed everyone? So Jesus said, tell the people, sit down. What's the first thing he do? Why sit down? Say the loudly. Why you sit down? Because you don't talk back to God. When he says sit down means, Lord, whole morning I sat, I want to stand. Say it. You know, one of the things you notice about God, He never reveals the entire plan of His, of his future for your life. That's the most frustrating thing. He'll only tell you, go there. And then, I'll tell you when you go. How many things experience that? He leads us step by step. First go there, and when you go there, I will show up. And I'll give you another instruction. He loves to play hide and seek with us. Or treasure hunt, whatever it is. So what's the first instruction? Sit down. And so, now there was much grass. In the place, so the men sat down, not the women, men. A number was about 5,000 of them. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to who? Not the crowd, to the disciples. I don't know whether they were standing around him or in a line. And now they're watching. By now they're used to Jesus doing things which blows their mind. Taking this five loaves and two fish and these disciples, he's having an interaction time with them. And Jesus distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. No little bit, no rations, buffet. Unlimited. So what does he do to the disciples? He takes one fish. How many fishes there were? How many disciples? How many? Twelve. He takes, he want head or tail or body. Which one? Break one. Another head come. Huh? What were you? Okay, yeah, take, take. What do you like? Flesh part? Okay, take it. Okay. What? 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 The guy, 12, 12 men standing there. Hey! Hey, give it to me! No problem. Which one do you want? Head, tail, body? What do you want? Broke you. 12 loaves, broke one loaf, grew again. Another loaf, 
not the loaf, not the loaf, not the loaf. Then he said, you saw the miracle? Now go and give it to your disciples. Go give it to the others. You and I as his disciples get the experience of first-hand miracles of God. He gives you enough to give it away. He blesses you. That's why the Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. Because we receive freely, we give freely. Hello? Are you with me this morning? And, you know, if I was there, I would have had fun. Fish? How much you want? Full thing? Take it. Or they hit them with the head. <laughs> you know, my, my PT master in school saw me on Friday at this meeting. He says, you? You? You still got that still mischievous face with you. And I was looking, I said, I thought I changed. Here's my pity master. He saw me only in fourth standard and he's saying he still got a mischievous face. So I have to live with what you have anyway. But you can imagine what excitement in the disciples. The miracle in front of their own eyes. Breaking the fish. Yeah, take, take, take. Head, take, take. What, what you, whatever you want. Take the bread. How much? No wonder... There were 12 baskets full left over. Full. They ate so much they didn't they had to leave off. How did that miracle happen? By? How by? When you look at the Bible, you will notice every time God did a miracle or gave an instruction, it was far beyond our reasoning. Isn't it true? Beyond our reasoning. And we must get used to it. The problem in the church today, we do everything within our reasoning. Don't shout amen. Isn't that true? I'd like to throw a question to you. When last you did something that bypassed your reasoning, or surpassed your reasoning, 99% of the times we live life within our reasoning. And that's why we don't see the supernatural. That's why we don't see God at work in our lives. And that's the reason why we can't be available for God to use us to be a blessing to someone else. Because we all have Philip's mentality. I'm not, not the Philip's here. Philip's in the Bible. Philip. Lord, uh, 200 denarii it will take, Lord. Lord, you know, but no, it's not possible. You know how? I, I need more money to, to you know. Sp- okay, w- okay w- w- what about this idea, Lord? We'll get 10 sponsors. After all, how many, how many crowd? 10 sponsors. 10 sponsors giving 1,000 rupees will be able to meet the need of the crowd. Who's that talking? A pastor. Gone are those good old days that we hear God and follow His instructions. And God is calling us back to that life. How many of you are with me? How many of you are with me? How many of you want that life? The key to living in the supernatural. Hear His voice and follow. What's it? Hear His voice and follow. Keep that His word in your heart. Now here's what people go through. How do we know whether it's our mind speaking or God speaking? Relevant question? Everywhere I go, same question. How do I know whether it's God speaking or Spirit speaking? 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14 to 16 says, 
The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit, Holy Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. The natural mind can only think naturally, natural things. And so God's word is saying, the natural mind cannot understand or accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. Joshua and his men shouting at the wall and blowing trumpets, folly. Does it make sense to you? Even now when we read it, with all our advancement, it still looks like folly. Jesus taking two fish and breaking it and multiplying, folly. Doesn't make sense. Mary and Martha removing the stone. Doesn't make sense. He's not able to understand them because they're spiritually discerned. So the key to the supernatural is to park your mind and listen to God's word or God speak into your spirit. For it says in verse 15, the spiritual person judges all things, but is in himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we, we, you, I have the mind of Christ. So when you're walking in obedience to the Spirit of God, let no man judge you. I remember when I said, God has called me to ministry. And everyone looked at me and said, you? I don't blame them for it because I couldn't even speak properly. I mean, I was so nervous, so timid. Uh, you know, after many years, my mom said this, whoever thought you speak so much? <laughs> she even was surprised. And then people said, you know, you take up a trade. You know why? Just in case you need something to fall back on. I'm not thinking of falling back. I was thinking of progressing. But there are a lot of people say, you know, Keep something, it'll come handy. You know, sometimes you need some money, fall back on, get something. And you have that reasoning coming in. Thank God I didn't do it. If I fall back, I want to fall back on God. And what He says to me. And that's why the Word of God is far more valuable to me than what anyone can know. The Word is my sustenance. life produces fruit we have the mind of Christ not in our head we have the mind of Christ in your spirit the mind of Christ is on the inside you need to look in to know the mind of Christ let me show, show you the scripture Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 for the word of God is living and active the word that we have and handle on a daily basis is active it's life it's sharper than a two-edged sword. Why two-edged sword? The Bible is called a two-edged sword because it penetrates even dividing between soul and spirit. Soul is your mind, will, and emotion. Spirit is a human spirit. The reason why most Christians are the most confused people on earth because they're always having this, this is feeling this way, this is feeling that way. You don't know how to discern. And so the more spiritual you want to become, the more confused you become. You don't know the difference between God saying something in your spirit and what your reasoning is saying. That's why we'll end up in confusion. The word of God is a double-edged sword that helps you divide between the soul, your mind, your will, and emotions, the natural man, from the spirit man. 
And then he goes to compare the joints and the marrow. He compares the soul to the joints and a human spirit, the inward man, as to the marrow. Why marrow? Because marrow is so important for our body. It is the marrow in our body that produces the blood cells. Am I right? Can you see your marrow? It's hidden in your bones. The health of a person depends on the marrow in his body, on his bones. If you have a deficiency of marrow in your body, you're a sick person. And he compares, the Bible compares marrow, marrow to our spirit because our spirit is what produces life. The Bible says in James chapter 2, when the spirit, our human spirit leaves the body, we're dead. So as marrow brings life to the physical body, our human spirit brings life when we're in connection with God. It's like marrow. Marrow sustains us. Our spirit is so important. And what does joints do? Joints helps us to express ourselves. If I didn't have joints, I can't move around. I can't express myself. And so our spirit is like marrow. Our soul is a joints which should allow our, our body to express what our spirit is going through. Not the other way around. So we have the mind of Christ. And our soul is to express the mind of Christ. Our body, our natural man is to cooperate with the spirit man in order to live the Christian life. And when God spoke to Mary and Martha, remove the stone, she couldn't say, Lord, let my spirit remove it. Her body had to cooperate with her spirit in order to remove the stone. When the man got the instruction to arise, pick up the mat and God, get up, he didn't say, Jesus, yes, in my spirit I'm rising. No, it was instruction that he received in his spirit that needed his body to cooperate to what he received in his spirit in order for him to receive the miracle. So what divides and helps us to know which is of the natural mind and which is of the spirit is the word of God. In 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? We can't understand the, the way God thinks, the way God does things, so we can't instruct him. But we do have the mind of Christ in our hearts. Not in our head, but in our hearts, in our spirit, once we are born again. Let me prove this to you. Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 33. Look at this. But this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, after the Old Testament. He's making a covenant with us in these days, says, I will put my laws, M, capital, my laws, his ways, his instructions, his laws, where? Where will he put it? Within you. That's why when you're born again, you don't have to, tell, uh, you don't have to let anyone tell you what is right and what is wrong. You know it in your spirit because your conscience is awakened and God has written His law in your spirit. You know what is, what is right and you know what is wrong. Yeah. 
And I will be their God and they shall be. No, Mr. Sentence. I will put my love within them. And on their hearts. Where's your heart? In your spirit. That's your heart. And on their hearts will I write. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. You see, the mind of Christ is right there in our spirit. God has written it. God puts his thoughts right there in our spirit. We have the mind of Christ. We need the word of God to distinguish between the thoughts which are in our spirit, which come from God, and the thoughts which come from our mind, which helps us understand, hey, that's a soulish decision. That's my reasoning. That's not God. That pushes us to hear God. The mind in our spirit. Now let's get back to the basics. How do we cultivate the mind in our spirit? How do we recognize it? Here are some few simple ones. A few examples. <clears throat> the mind of Christ in our spirit tells you to forgive your enemies. Forgive those people. The mind in your natural head, in your soul, will tell you, why forgive? Why should I forgive? You had those thoughts? Who did you listen to? You go quiet now. Who you listen to depends whether you're listening to the mind in your spirit or the mind in, in your head. We mind in the head thinks of revenge. God's mind in our spirit thinks of forgiving. The mind of Christ in our spirit tells us that you are loved of God, you are accepted unconditionally, and you are a child of God. That's what the mind of the spirit in your, in your heart. But your natural mind says, you're a sinner. God doesn't love you. God doesn't accept you. It's amazing of how many people in the church. They know God loves them in their heads, but they don't know it in their hearts. Why? Because they received it in their mind rather than in their heart. And then you need to live and start practicing. Hey, the mind of Christ in my spirit says, I am loved by God unconditionally. I am accepted by God. I am a child of God. And your mind in the natural begins to come in, in line with the mind in your spirit, and that's how you walk in line with the Spirit of God. The mind in, your, in Christ, in your spirit says, God will work all things for your good. But your natural mind says, oh, it looks hopeless. I don't know where God is. Listen to your spirit. The spirit, the word of God says, all things will work for good. To those that love God and call according to his purposes. The more we listen to the mind of Christ in our spirit, the more successful and more breakthroughs and answers to prayer we will have. The mind of Christ in your spirit says that you are healed. Your natural mind says, oh, you're sick. You, you, you never recover and this is your problem. The mind of Christ says, trust in God. Your natural mind says, be practical. And we've got a lot of practical Christians rather than spiritual Christians. Because we allow the, the mind in our soul to govern our Christian life, rather than the mind of the Spirit, the mind of Christ, which is in our hearts, to govern us. And that's why Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 to 8, is a foundational verse for our Christian life. I'd like to read that. Trust in the Lord with some of your heart. Oh, you're paying attention. 
Okay, do this after me. I like this action. Trust in the Lord with all my heart. Where's your heart? Put it there. Say it again. Trust in the Lord with all my heart. A lot of us are trusting God, but with some of our heart. Some. Little bit. But what does God say? Trust Him with all your heart. What's the second step? Do not lean in your own understanding. Whose understanding? Your own understanding. Your mind, your natural mind. Don't lean on it. Tell someone next to you, don't lean on your natural understanding. Am I standing? But I'm also leaning. Leaning on this. And as long as we are leaning, we will allow the natural mind to dominate the mind of the spirit. Trusting God with all your heart is like standing without any support. Do not lean on your own understanding. Acknowledge Him as God who is provider, He is healer, He is deliverer, He is savior. Acknowledge Him, whatever situation you are in. And what will He do? May direct your path. He will think of directing your path. Oh, you are still spiritual even after one o'clock. Oh, I shouldn't have reminded you. I'm going away, so I have the liberty to keep you a little, little. I will miss you all. I hope you miss us. But anyway. You know what? It says, He shall direct your paths. Certainty. Receive it in your spirit. Receive it. Lay hold of it. Then it says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Whose eyes? We think we are very smart, like Philip. 200 denarii, Lord. 200, 200. How much? 200. Another smart fellow comes, Simon. Here I got, but will this take care of everyone's need? We got a lot, lot of smart people around. God's saying, do not be wise in your own understanding. Why? Robs you of the seed. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. What evil? The evil that the Bible is talking about is leaning in your own understanding. Being wise in your own eyes. That's an evil. Because it stops you from walking in the supernatural. It stops you from the miracle that God has. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from that evil. Run away from it. Don't get into that, that, that cycle where you're so active in your mind that you do not know what God is saying to you. And when you live that way, it will bring health to your body and strength to your bones. How you like that for a healing? You like that? God begins to bring strength to us. I like to close with that one statement again. Remember, your prayer will only bring relief to you, but when you hear God, it will bring breakthrough for you. It releases you. Prayer relieves you. Hearing God releases you. Thank you for listening to this message. To know more about us, please visit www.adonai-ministries.com.